Hey folks, it's Alan here this week introducing another episode of Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats. A reminder that if you like what you hear today, please consider checking out our exciting backlog of podcast episodes covering exciting television shows like The Last Airbender, Farscape, Babylon 5, and Aaron Sorkin's most recent television crime, The Newsroom. Who knows, you might just discover your next favorite show. As we've mentioned before, these episodes were originally recorded in early 2020, specifically late March as of this episode, so we may occasionally reference some things, some news items, some topics that are no longer uh, really topical. But regardless, they are as evergreen as we can make them at the time. And without further ado, live from Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats, it's Sunday morning in quarantine. Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 10, Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the man who is not plagued by timing problems. It's Magellan. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Hi! Hello! Good evening! <laughs> I uh, You gave me a lot of time to think about whether I was going to do the too fast to respond joke, yeah. or the too slow, or the just right. Yep. I went for the jizz right. The jizz right. I love it. I think you did great. Thank you. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I got some pistachios in my mouth. I'm so sorry about it. Um, I had an argument with somebody recently about whether or not okay. mortadella is designed to be with pistachios or with uh, fudge. What's the other thing you can put in, pista- in, in mortadella? Is it fudge? No, not fudge. Uh, mortadella? What is olives, mortadella? Olives. Mortadella what, is like a is deli this? It's supposed to be with olives. Are you crazy? What? No, it's with pistachios. It's People olives. put pistachios in mortadella? Yes, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm, I mean, also, joined does, if you, but... I'm also joined, if you can't tell, by this person. Uh, wow, this wow, my intro is written all grammatically wrong. I'm just going to say it, and we're going to assume it was perfect. Uh-huh. Thieves get rich, saints get shot, six don't answer prayers a lot. <laughs> How? <laughs> bang, 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 bang. <laughs> oh my devil trigger <laughs> i actually do all of those things get rich get shot and don't answer prayers Eat hot six, chip and it's lie. Me, margaret you know there was the other day i was eating hot chip and lying at the same time whoa and here's the whoa, thing whoa. hot chips they're really hot they're really Do good they help you lie um they actually made it kind of hard because it was hard for me to focus because i was like god my mouth hurts and it made my lie worse <sighs> yeah that's really something huh so it it's like an exercise to lie without focus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to be fully focused to lie which is why i never lie because i don't know how to focus but i do know how to talk about the focus group which is the first <laughs> nicely done really yeah that's good oh thanks uh, if people don't know, uh, first of all, what are you doing listening to this? Second of all, this is a podcast where me and my friends, Magellan Six, talk about Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, the Aaron Sorkin canceled before it was due classic television show uh, that we watched. Uh, and we watched two episodes this week, episode three, The Focus Group, and episode four, The West Coast Delay. First up is The Focus Group, which was written by Schmarin Schmorkin. It was directed by Christopher Misiano. It originally aired October 2nd, 2006. And Magellan, what happened yes, sir. in The Focus Group? In this episode, 
A network focus group sends a scare through the company that the rating success of Matt and Danny's first show might have been a one-time thing. Harriet expresses her jealousy at Matt, having spent the night with Jeannie so shortly after breaking up, accusing him of rubbing it in her face. The team is pleased to have had a high rating for their opening week with Matt and Danny's return, but fear they won't retain momentum in their ratings in the follow-up show. Jeannie is disappointed by the focus group's score of her sketch, Commedia dell'arte. Matt makes a deal with Jeannie regarding the success of the sketch on the live broadcast. Hmm. That's the, probably the dumbest plot of the episode, right? That's a deal a, with Jeannie. God, it's a, comp- it? it's a competition, though, is the thing. It is a competition. I guess dumbest in the sense of being, like, the least useful, right? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, what if I talked this, what if I started every statement like I was a cast member doing an interview about an Aaron Sorkin show being like, okay, the thing that makes Sorkin's Aaron so smart is I really hated the opening <laughs> of this episode so much. <laughs> and then I, God, I'm the editor who comes so in. so elitist. God, yeah. it's so, sorry, go ahead. Alan. Yeah, no, no, I'm the editor who comes in and just, uh, and is like the thing that make as I hated this episode so much. I just cut your sentence right down. Um, but yeah, the beginning is deeply elitist. Yeah, so let's get into that. Uh, Jordan doesn't know how people work. <laughs> she doesn't know how people or unemployment works. Also, um, talking about the focus group is that the scene that y'all are talking? Are you referring to? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I am. But also, the scene after it is also really bad. The first mm-hmm. ten minutes of this episode are some of the worst this show has had. Um, Whenever yes. the show shows the comedy, it's like a fucking trash fire. Yeah, because because you have. So, oh my god. Okay. All right. So, uh, dig into it, my friend. Dig. <laughs> because you got this whole thing where it's like, oh, people don't get it. Like, Commedia dell'arte. Yeah. What? It, like, oh, it's French shit. No, it's Italian. Oh, the wrong century. Like, all these snappy jokes about, like, you don't understand. You, you network schlob about what Commedia dell'arte is. And all that's happening, and you s- literally see the sketch later. Is Jeannie's wearing like a Renaissance little costume in a coffee shop and is like, forsooth, I want a Java. And the dude's like, what? <laughs> it's fucking dumb. That is not like genius comedy. That is the most rote thing in the world. And it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Holy crap. Honestly, this TV show will often... Like, this this program often feels like parody when it shows the actual, like, yes. sketches. It's just like... Yes. You, it, because the outside oh. stuff takes itself so seriously. Mm. And then we get these sketches and they just feel like, honestly, some of these would be bad on modern SNL. You would just be like, oh, oof, that's a that's a useless sketch. Toss that one out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the best... A, mo- yeah, go ahead. Basically, the best any of their sketches come is being the one episode, the one like sketch you wish you could forget from the latest SNL. So right, where you're just like that was ugh, whatever that sketch was useless. Um, and and, and it's weird because I thought this first episode was much worse than the second one actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of just Jordan McDear stressing out because uh, the other thing is that's going on is she there's a report on TV about her having a what she was arrested for a DUI like eight years ago. Um, and they're making a big deal out of like, oh, the MBS person has a has a DUI. She's a she was a drunk woman at one point, and they're getting the facts wrong. And she's like, oh no, my career. 
and Rudolph just keeps being like, I don't hate you, but also like you're not going to be able to escape this, even though they're lying about a lot of stuff and they're mis- misinterpreting facts. I just don't like any of that. I'm tired of all of Sorkin's women w- worrying about what people think about them also. Well, and I'm tired of Sorkin as uh, portraying like various scandals in the way that they the consequences is in worrying about what the consequences will be, not about the consequences. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. Not about the thing that happened, you mean? Right. Like it, it's not about the thing that happened or about the thing that will happen based on people finding out. It's about you realizing people will find out. That's the real stress point for any Sorkin show. It's like, oh God, people know this is so terrible for me. An episode later, it doesn't matter. Right. Right, you're right. Yeah. Well, and it's like it, we're also treating Jordan McDeer's character. She's like a TV executive. When was the last time you saw like a TV executive in the news? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like those people are not characters in news stories in the way that we're worrying about right now. Maybe for like an afternoon. People would be like, oh, my God, Jordan McDear, she was she got a DUI. But then the guy who's talking to her at the end of the episode, who's like, hey, why don't you just, like, say what's true and what's false? She's like, because uh, then he'll sell more books. Okay. But then it's done. <laughs> then nobody's talking about it anymore. Well, that so already, just, people yeah. have already forgotten about Elizabeth. Uh, who's the blood lady? <laughs> Oh, the Theranos lady? Yeah, yeah. Who's the yeah, I don't remember her name. This, but that, case in point. <laughs> yeah, case in point. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I've already, for, I've like, I listened to a podcast and I know that was like a huge deal and it still is a huge deal, but I'm just like, oh, Elizabeth Holmes, whatever. Well, and, that, and that's more egregious because that's yes, like literally, yeah, cr- criminal uh, freaking fooling people. What do you call that? <laughs> Fraud. Fraud, that's, yeah. This is obviously a bad thing, and I, I'm conflicted about the moment where Danny is like, hey, by the way, this is where I, the drug addict, tell you about why drunk driving is bad. I think I like that, but I don't think I liked it. But, you know, besides that piece of it, that like morally driving drunk is a bad thing to do and it endangers people, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not that fundamental of a realization about Jordan's character. I think that's an issue that I had with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that would stick in the news and like follow her. And also just the scenario that's laid up to try and make her look good where it's like, oh, no, she was lost and pulled over to ask a cop for directions. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> all, why are you talking to a cop? You already be- goofed up. I guess I guess she is rich. My like. As, yeah, as a poor person who basically follows the law, you still would basically have to put a gun to my head to make me a willingly approach a cop. <laughs> and well, this is there were a couple moments in both of these episodes where I was like, oh, my gosh, it's 2006. Like, why do you not have a smartphone? Like, why do you not have the ability to just, like, look up where you are that you have to ask a police officer for directions? Mm-hmm. Um there was that, and then there was a part later where someone was like, I'm surfing the web and looking up what people are saying about you. And it's like, I I, I really wonder what... And, and the newsroom does get into this a little bit, but it's mostly people sitting in front of monitors. Like, what happens once Twitter gets involved uh, in, in, like, the modern controversies? Because the discourse cycle is so fast these days that, like you said, Jordan's, like, whole thing would be done and taken and talked about meme to death in, like, two days, max. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. would not it would not ruin her career in the slightest and maybe that's just the, how the uh the sort of window has shifted uh since the time of this show but yeah it, it is really dumb and and just gives her the entire episode to like stress and get yelled at by uh mr rudolph um, which I don't find that particularly interesting. And it's it's also different from, like, I think Danny's being a drug addict and the insurance thing sort of sticking him in this job is something that moves the plot and that also tells us things about Danny that he's like, because we see him be this, like, over-the-top control freak in every single interaction that he has. Yeah. Um but then there's this part of him where he can't control or has lost control, which kind of helps you to understand mm-hmm. his yeah. his director producer personality. But with Jordan, it's like, what do I learn about Jordan because of this? I learned that she was married for nine months when she was younger <laughs> and that she had a DUI. So I guess I learned that she's like reckless or something i think and we also get like clear we also get like the 10th underline under the phrase she's quirky yeah and under and under like and she's had sex too what (laughs) come on you mean executive and do the sex that hold on sign me up like the whole thing about like yeah he would take me to parties and watch people have sex it's like what what is all of this especially because like because characters like matt and danny don't get this like oh I made a critical error it's like they bounce they bounce back from stuff like that that's the whole like setup of the show is that uh, they got caught one of them got caught doing cocaine and it's like well that's gonna that's gonna haunt you but like well you're still a millionaire <laughs> you're still uh-huh. a very successful writer mm-hmm. and she yeah, and as, as, as punishment you will now direct this like very popular television show totally they fail upwards as as so many men do in Hollywood mm-hmm. and the world. Um, mm-hmm. And the other focus uh, focus of this episode is the focus group results that come out um, after the beginning of the episode. We see that focus group, and it turns out that somebody either in the focus group a contracting company or from the writing team or whatever the production uh, made them ask the audience a question of, do you think that this show is patriotic or, or, or unpatriotic? And they have percentage results that say that it was a pretty much right down the line, 50-50 uh, and they don't want everyone to know about that because uh, it's going to make them really angry and start thinking about it. They, they they do talk about the idea of focus groups a lot in this and the, like what is the purpose of them? What's the benefit of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it really fascinating but also frustrating because I don't know who says it exactly if it's Jordan or someone, but they're like, yeah, I ain't, like they're dumb. And they're not exactly accurate to how people are watching our show, but advertisers use them and advertisers pay for our show, so we can't ignore them. It's a valuable metric. And also, I mean, I don't know, the, the way, I don't know, maybe maybe this is me, maybe this is my divide, but I feel like Sorkin is projecting his personal position on this to sort of the whole show, whereas I think there would be people involved in the making of this show that would say, I mean, yeah, I want feedback. Yeah, I want to know how I'm doing before the episode goes out, so I don't like do. Yeah, that. right. People are not. That's really the thing. Sorkin just doesn't understand what like comedians want. Comedians want to be popular, and they want to make people laugh. Right. And it's just mind-boggling that 
that Matt exists as a character who's hell bent on like being the most hilarious, but he's not hell bent on being hilarious. He's like, I have a genius vision that cannot be compromised. And the dude's fucking genius vision is like, okay, you got a Renaissance lady asking for coffee, and then we're going to get uh, like a <laughs> rabbi, um, a Muslim guy, and a college Bible student walk into a game show. And it's like, this is this is your thing. This is your biting genius social commentary. This is absurd. Yeah. And so I lost my point. Because the show fries my brain. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just, it's just the case where, like, me. every comedian I've known or, like, heard, like, bios about, mm-hmm. they're people pleasers. Yeah. That's right. what makes you a comedian <laughs> is you want to make other people laugh. And the idea that Matt is this character who's like, I don't care if these people didn't didn't think it was funny. It's funny. They're not smart enough. Like, I'm not prescribing to what makes people laugh. I'm prescribing to this, like, divine like scale of what is funny that is only visible to people who can see beyond your puny mortal realm it's like my dude (laughs) you you are fake you don't exist yeah yeah comedy is a like comedians are are formulaic they the whole like every person who's gone through ucb for improv training or whatever has learned like okay here's how you hit the thing and here are the structures that you can use. And it's all just like plug and play. And, and I love comedy. And I think there are ways that you can do those formulas that are like transcendent and cool. But fundamentally, someone who is a comedian, yeah, is they're about collaborating with people. Maybe they don't do it particularly well, but that is a part of it. <clears throat> and they're about like... Yeah, okay, we got to do a sketch this week. Like, let's let's spitball. Let's brainstorm. Let's figure it out, guys. I, I got nothing. What do you got? Like a, a game show freaking thing? Um, yeah, so the attitude – I don't know. The whole focus group thing, it just feels strange. And it's also, it's also weird to me <laughs> that there are a couple things that are just weird. Uh, the first is like this focus on is the show patriotic or not? Mm-hmm. And that being the kind of like the reason that Sorkin wanted to do a show about a sketch comedy show, it feels like, is because he wants to make this commentary about he's trying to make like punch in both directions a little bit by punching at like conservative uh, moral policing and also punch at like wokeness, but wokeness didn't really exist yet to the same extent. Um, well, the idea of political correctness definitely did. Right, right, right. Right. And so he's got this – there's this sketch that's like just off the chain discriminatory. It's like wild, <laughs> the whole game show thing. Mm-hmm. And then the def- the whole uh, is this show patriotic or not flashes Matt back to like, oh, man, remember a few years ago when I defended Bill Maher? <laughs> And people threw me under the bus. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't write a parody of Studio sixty better than that plot point. That Matt Albee's worried about being too political because a couple years ago he he went to bat for Bill Maher for making fun of like nine eleven or something. Yeah. Mm. 
It's shifting in her seat. I can hear it. I just also, I mean, like, there's so many, like, we even skipped past, I mean, maybe we'll double back. We're sort of getting all over the place. But, like, sure. immediately after we have this this focus group scene, we shift to sort of like, oh, we're backstage and, like, oh, you know, the, the um, whatever the, the, the two writers that suck. I forget their names. I wrote them as the shitty writers in my notes. Over and over. Ricky and Ron. <laughs> uh, Ricky, Ricky and Ron. Ron yeah. Yes. Ricky and Ron are trying to bring the data to, to Matt and Danny. Um, and they stop by and they're like, oh, hey, congratulations on making, you know, like host of the news. Really big responsibility to put on a black person. I don't know if you can handle it. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck, y'all? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lot. <laughs> it's just that like this whole episode is bizarrely racist and yeah, like it's so it's lacks so much self-awareness in that respect it's like baffling i i the the instant that what was it rob reiner is he the guest it definitely that, looked like was, him i think i would assume that. i think i think it him. was the second that he starts doing his like uh you know he's the jewish guy voice the rabbi yeah rabbi voice um and everybody looks at each other like yeah this is funny <laughs> that was where i was like okay i'm out well and they also i'm done like you know they have their little stands and it's like oh you know like bible study student jew which is like mm. and then the other one is taliban member and you're like what wait hang on <laughs> yeah and oh, also you're... we've only got one person of color on, on the cast and he has to play so we're gonna have the song. we're gonna have the black guy do like a, a shitty act middle eastern accent or something mm-hmm. it's all so i don't know what you're talking gross. about as a middle eastern person i can say that that accent was perfect yeah, yeah is that good yeah so is exactly that's that's that just like good. pa just reminds me of home and then matt alby's fucking sticking point <laughs> Is when they read the name of the university for the Bible he student. Says, don't say church, he's like, don't. okay. He's like, oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know if it's like you know Jesus College or Jesus Bible College. I got to make sure everything in this sketch has to be exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't okay, afford cool. to offend the, offend the white people. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah, these, like, listen. Here's the basket under it. But. <laughs> these other disgusting caricatures uh, are totally fine. But, oh, man, uh, I can't add the word Bible into the name of a school that doesn't have the word Bible in we it. We literally did Crazy Christians last week. I can't do another bad. I can't. He says that. He's like, I can't make another mistake. Or I can't, like, do a bad because we already took a risk. Um, there. Th- so, I think, actually, like, regarding that sketch, all the sketch stuff, I try to watch it with the eye of, like, okay, they're making this whole point about... Uh, Studio 60 needs to be a show that's like making a point and making people think, but it's also funny. It's none of those things. But the show, the TV show Studio 60, not the show within the show, but the TV show that we are watching kind of does like have points and an ethos. It's not a good one. Um, it's mostly that people are offended too easily and we have to bend over backwards to, to work with like shitty people to make people happy. But mm-hmm. there's a part where Matt's angry. Um, and he's talking about like <laughs> boy that narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, you know that 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 one scene in the whole thing where Matt where Matt uh, Albie's really grumpy, uh, and he's talking about um, like you guys have to stop pissing off Republicans. And he's like, oh, I'd love to take a shot at the Democrats if one of them would say or do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, you're right, Matt Albie, but you need to say like, give me one more sentence on that. Like, just roll with that a little more, bud. Make a sketch about that. <laughs> 
he has ideas. He's so close to just being. Ugh. And it, yeah, I know he won't because he's just basically a centrist, like Sorkin is. He's writing himself. Yeah, I mean, and this like, is also the set the scene where, like, five seconds later, as my brain is still processing that line, uh, someone just calls. Him, they're like, uh, or I think it's Danny who calls him a pussy boy. Like, yeah, yep, yep. he's like, "Are you a girl pussy or a boy pussy? You're a pussy boy." Oh no! And it's not played as like these guys suck that much. It's more just like, uh, just yeah, it's in a way, it's a dumb thing to say. Like it's childish. This guys being dudes. Yeah, yeah. Because I think well, Jordan, like, Jordan later. later is also like, "Whoa, wait, yes. you're a pussy boy? What? That's funny." And they really say it like everyone in the show knows it's a thing people say. Oh my gosh, which scares me. Um, speaking of, uh, by the way, women like being disappointed in their own stuff. Uh, Janie's mad that her sketch didn't do well in the focus group, and she spends the entire episode being like, "No, it was good. No, guys, I flatlined. No, you're not listening. I flatlined." She says "flatline" like 15 times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating because it's just the show being like, "Do you know what this means? It means that nobody voted for anything on her thing. They thought it was very boring." And they have this like whole bit about how the lights go out. Sorkin really likes making the lights go out on sets. And see, thinking that that like somehow charges everybody into being more emotional and honest with each other. He does that on the. There's an episode of the newsroom that does this as well called Blackout. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And in that one, the solution I just remembered is they do the news outside. <laughs> <laughs> what if you could do the news outside? Or they try to. They like literally are wheeling the camera outside, and then they're like, "Oh wait, the lights are back." They do it twice in this episode where they're like. They're like, Harriet, you're so religious. You're always talking about God and how he does his holy retribute. Uh, the lights went out. <laughs> I guess God is real. <laughs> and it's just this like dumb like imitation of miracles that doesn't amount to anything and the show doesn't address. It's just like, oh, they, they timed it in a funny way that makes people in, in the episode go like, wait, that's so crazy that that happened. Yeah. Worthless. Truly worthless. The Comedia dell'arte thing is another example of like, if the show got a, f- a focus group where nobody liked the sketch yep. and nobody laughed at the dress rehearsal. <laughs> that shit would be cut. Why did it's you keep the done. sketch? It's out of here. Sorry, Jeannie. No, it's brilliant, dude. You don't understand. Comedia dell'arte is one of the... It's one of the best jokes. Yeah. Um, Whatever. And I think... I don't. I forget which sketch this or that Harriet's referring to here, but she has a whole speech about how punching down is terrible. Oh, no, because it's the one like... There's a there's like the writers room making a bunch of jokes and being like, what if we use this news story? I think one of them is literally holding a newspaper, which is bananas. Um, but mm-hmm. they're digging through the news and they find a story about a small town in like the Midwest that uh, had to change which play they were doing because it was anti Christianity. They were doing the they were doing the Crusade, I believe, and they switched the cruci- to Midsummer's Night's Dream Crucible. Um, and she's like, oh, you can't make fun of them because there's only like 400 of them and they all don't, none of them make a lot of money. Don't make fun of poor people, which like, good. And then she's like, instead, you should do my bear joke where like, what do we turn to the bear? What did he say? Rawr. <laughs> and it just, it instantly undercuts her making a legitimately good point to be like, yeah, but she doesn't have good ideas. <laughs> she mm-hmm. wants to do the bear joke, you guys. I I don't know. I thought that was charming. I, I liked it. But it doesn't. I just think it. I, I wish that Harriet's like good ideas weren't so often coupled with like jokes like that. To be honest, that was the most they've sounded like SNL to me. The bear joke. Yeah, that's extremely yeah. An, an SNL news yeah. desk 
joke. And she's right, because they're like, that's not funny when you read it. And she's like, I would perform it well. Like, yo, you could totally perform that and make me laugh. Like, that's that can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just feels like the show has this lens on her of like, she doesn't actually know. Like, don't. She's just being annoying. Like, Harriet always is. Um, I don't know. I think the show is trying to... I think the show is positioning Harriet as like a wise character. Who's just ignored by people. Who's ignored by people and also it's she's sort of manufactured to be the like counter to Matt so that Sorkin can be like, but look, this character uh, doesn't hate middle America. So my show is all balanced and good. Hands clean. No issues. Uh Uh, And then there are issues because we get to the sketches from this episode um, and there are moments and I talked about this in the newsroom stuff, but like when Sorkin does the behind the scenes of like a workplace environment, sometimes it seems appealing, right? Because I'm like, oh, maybe I could like be the intern who collects uh, small stories for the news network and maybe one of my things makes it to air or maybe I could be the writer on this SNL thing and like I could uh, eventually get a sketch that people will talk about and try to run with. Um but I don't want any part, any part of this these sketches that we see a bunch of small bits of, because they're all really bad. This montage especially was when I was like, "This is a parody," like you were saying of of a sketch comedy show. Right. Um, it's not trying to be a sketch comedy show. It's trying to like make fun of them. Yeah. Uh, but everybody's looking at the TV like, oh, yes, the Nicolas Cage show. <laughs> well, you didn't like the Nicolas Cage show? That impression was pretty good. It was. His Ben Stiller was pretty good. <laughs> I did like the part where they were like, do your best Ben Stiller doing Tom Cruise. I thought that was cute. Yeah. But also it's 06. So like we're still doing Tom Cruise lightning on Oprah's couch memes at this point, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Which are funnier than this entire show. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, lots of back padding, and then uh, the show goes fully self-indulgent, and we get like 15 minutes. Honestly, it went for so damn long, the rap party scene. Because it goes for, it's like every single person needs to have an important wrap-up, and like a realization, and like a uh, a coming-to-God moment all at once. Because Jordan is awaiting mm-hmm. the results of the focus group, standing by a fax machine, because 2006. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Matt finds out that Danny is the one who wrote the patriotic question and like runs to chases him down on the beach and punches him and then realizes that they're in public and they are celeb like semi celebrities. Wait, I I missed that plot point. I think I was because I was cooking while I um watched this. What? Why did Danny do that to rile him up so that he would get more political? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of fun. Sure. (laughs) It was okay. I, I, I do understand his motivation of, like, if I scare you, it's going to work. But also, don't give it to the employees then, because you, like, me- not the employees, the performers, mm-hmm. because then they it messes up the entire Well, he didn't show. intend to. True, that wasn't his intent. These things get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he punches Danny on the, th- on the water, and then they're like, oh, God, we're being seen. We're in public. And everyone forgives each other. Uh, and then you get this really corny scene where... Jordan's like, is my job gone? Did we hit? Did we go under ninety percent? Rudolph's like, a little bit above that. Actually, you went a hundred and nine percent. Good job. Good Your job, comedy kiddo. was funny. You're not fired this time. 
I seriously, like, the whole time I'm thinking about, like, oh, man, I would love to work on a show like this. The idea of going to a rap party like this every Saturday, or in this case, every Friday, sounds really exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it super does. They got to, like, make this whole show and, like, stress over it and panic about it. They get 90 minutes to watch it. And then it's like, all right, now to put your monkey suit on and, like, drink with executives. And uh, here we go again. <laughs> like, what a life to live. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if you work on a show like that, you're basically living at that show constantly. Mm-hmm. Right. Which they talk about in the second episode when one of the actors is like, my girlfriend left me because it, she sucks. And he's like, she left you because you don't know how to stop working. Which, Aaron Sorkin, talk to yourself. Talk to yourself once, dude. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Just have a conversation. Um. And then what's his face? The two guys. I'm never going to remember the two comedians' names. Or the writers, I mean. Ricky, Ricky, and, Ricky Ron. and Ron. Just the least memorable names of all time. Intentionally uh, so, I think. Yes. They're supposed to feel like background characters, but the way that they keep getting dredged up is kind of fun. Um, and like brought into the A-plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny dances with Harriet, which is actually really cute. Matt's like, oh man, I'm Aaron Sorkin, so I'm just going to kind of wistfully smile at all of my friends being successful. And uh, and then he just like walks off and he signs some autographs and then he goes home. Mm-hmm. Yay! I just thought the scene was really really long and they had the gall to use some license. This is our licensed music moment of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they used "Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow," which is a really good show to use for the night of a uh, <laughs> of a sketch comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a bad pick. No, it's a, it's just an on the nose pick slightly. Just like yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll if you want, if you want something to be not on the nose, may I recommend another show, another TV show, exactly, <laughs> or another writer, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just, yeah, I thought this part was really long and annoying, and and I just, I feel like I got barely anything out of this episode. I uh, I still think it's really weird that Saturday Night Live exists in this universe. <laughs> this is Saturday i'm like what are you saying yeah they said that they also were like uh um oh when danny was like oh your only bush sketch is going on like 10 to 1 or whatever that's where you dump stuff and matt's like you know what else started at 1250 wayne's world (laughs) (laughs) stupid no there's no wayne's world in this world this is wayne's world <laughs> yeah it shouldn't work like that party on matt alvey blah, blah. party on danny party on matt <laughs> uh do y'all have any straight notes about um the focus group it's mostly just me being angry it's not worth it <laughs> yeah yeah like rudolph makes a comment about 9-11 at one point where he's like because Jordan asks him, like, why do we care about, like, the, the Democrats and, like, not not being political in one direction or, the other, or another? And he's like, yeah, well, we started caring after the Taliban pushed through a plane into the building. Like, he, like, intimately describes what happened on 9-11. And I hate, hmm. I hate the way TV characters talk about 9-11 sometimes. Because they, they obviously never say it. And they never, like, just say 9-11. And I'm sure they would now. But because this is, like, close enough to the event, everyone's always has to be, like... You know that event that we all know about with the planes and the explosions and the and the people dying. I'm like, do I? It's so it's fascinating to me though to be like people just didn't want to talk about it or didn't just didn't want to drop the name. I guess I don't know. Um, and I think that's pretty much what I have. And then yeah, that thieves get rich, saints get shot. God don't answer prayers a lot. I had to watch that back like three times because it's very snappy in the Sorkin way, but no one talks like that. It's 
just written dialogue. And then finally, Harriet doing a Holly Hunter impression is very funny um, and charming. Hmm. She I does one during one of the sketches, and then she's like, man, what if I had to keep doing this? And he's yeah, like... Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, he's like, no, I'll fall in love with you again. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm let's... I'm Batman. Oh my God, Matt Albee is Batman. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Billionaire, a TV writer by morning, by day. Listen, Vigilant we just wrote a better sketch than anyone that they've got. <laughs> exactly. I nailed it. Um, let's take a brief break and we'll be back to discuss the West Coast delay. Welcome back to Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats. The second episode we watched this week was episode four, The West Coast Delay. It was written by Mark Goffman and Aaron Sorkin, directed by Timothy Busfield. It originally aired October 9th, 2006. Alan, what happened in the West Coast? Wait for it. Wait for Delay. It. Thank you. Delay. In this episode, Jordan is approached by Vanity Fair columnist Martha O'Dell, guest star Christine Lottie requesting access to studio 60 to write a long lead story about the rebirth of the show harriet offers matt a baseball bat that she was given by a major league baseball player unaware that the pitcher had written his phone number on it when it's discovered that the show has inadvertently plagiarized another comedian's material during a sketch the team scrambles to break into the taped west coast feed to correct their error six what did you think of this episode i think i'm gonna argue with y'all a lot Yay, fighting. <laughs> um, I think there was a lot of meat. There you go, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Sorry. Cockroach is creeping the fuck out because last year there was a night where I woke up with one on my face and then I killed it and then I went back to, a, to sleep and I woke up again and there was another one on my face. And so now I live in fear of that happening again. Understandable. It was just, there was some good comedic timing. <sighs> Sorry. That guys. was like on the level of Nick uh, with the drink. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of content here. There's a lot to talk about with this episode. Um, and I think less of it is like, I spent most of, of episode three just being like, please stop talking. God, I hate this. Please stop talking. And episode four, a lot of this I didn't like, but I was at least engaged by. Mm-hmm. No, it was definitely engaging is the best I can ask for out of Studio 60, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, one of the other things, though, is I wish that if they're going to do like a journalist comes on the show, the set to interview and like study everybody. A lot of shows do this. Aaron Sorkin does this a lot on his shows. Make them the center. Use them as the viewer surrogate, and you have yourself a very cool formula. Instead, we get like this scene at the beginning, or early in the episode, of uh, Jordan being like, Martha, the only way any of these nasty men are going to listen to you is if you unbutton your shirt. And then and she's like, wow, that's such a good idea, other normal woman with a normal brain like me. Mm-hmm. And then they go in and do that, and then uh, Danny's like, I'm not 15. <laughs> I don't, like, I'm not appealing. Like, boobs don't do that to me. Which is then just looped right back around because Matt's like, whoa, boobs? Whoa. Oh. <laughs> so, this show's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's silly. I don't know. I'm not here to fight with you, Six. I, I also didn't mind this episode. I think it, um, 
I think it addresses a plot that actually feels like it should be addressed in this show. Um, like the idea of accidentally stealing a joke mm-hmm. feels like a plot that you could do on a show about people making a comedy show. And it's not, it's not overblown, the, serious, the, the seriousness that they're giving it, you know? Instead, it goes around acting to farce, though. Yeah, I think I think in a way that I think is good. Like I think the show, I think the show should have things that they take seriously that then end up like, oh, well, that was wacky, and it's better than them being like, look, this is so important, and look, we did it, we got the ratings, we did the right sketch, and everything's good now. Thank God. I don't think they took it seriously enough. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's why that's why I think we're going to argue is because on the two, on two major issues of this on the whole baseball bat thing and on the plagiarism thing uh-huh. I think we're going to come at this from different angles. Okay. Um, Where do you want to start? Uh I mean okay so if you are trying to make up with your ex don't give them a gift that your new boyfriend gave you. Even yeah, if so you don't stupid. know it has the phone number written on so it, still don't stupid. do that. So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> Foolish. I've never done anything so like that. <laughs> As, yeah, like, you haven't done anything you're like right, that. I'm doing it's, it's so stupid to do. <laughs> at first, at first it, feels like, it feels like you see where Harriet's coming from. Because at first it's framed like, oh, she went to a baseball game and the pitcher was like, hey, good work. Here's a, here's a bat. But it's like, oh, wait, no, and you've been dating him. Like, come on. That is obviously shitty. And also, like, of course that's his phone number. There's no other number that it could be. So I would also get it if she was like, ah, I got this bat. I know you like baseball bats. And then it's like, oh, God, I didn't turn it around. That's better than I thought that was his uniform number. Well, you know, women, they just don't know things. They don't know sports. You no, thought his uniform number was three million six hundred? Shut up! Stupid. Yeah, that part's bad. That part's useless and bad. I, I wish any of the Harriet and Matt stuff worked out in an interesting and fun way. Mm, it's so bad. It's she so comes bad. to him trying to be the adult here, and she's like, "I want you to just say that we're not together, so that there's no more sexual tension for the rest of the series." And he's like, "No, I don't want to <laughs> say that because I'm your boss." And the show needs to have weird sexual tension for him. Yeah, the, the the scene takes such a bizarre turn there, where he's like, no, it wouldn't be professional for me to say I don't want to have sex with you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, ex- wait, excuse me? Uh, no, I think, I think he was trying to imply, like, of course it's over, because I'm your boss. Right. Sure, but uh, mm, it just, it comes across very messy, I think. Well, because he actually very much would like to have sex like with to, her. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because so then, like also... every scene that she's doing a bit, he's like, "But the way she does the, the way she does that Juliet Lewis impression, it really gets me going." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love when she thinks that her cat is in the other room. That's that's amazing. So funny. Was Juliet Lewis that much of a like pop culture figure? I don't she's know. Never. I've never known her to like be a big that big of a deal. I don't know, or not like that that like huge. I mean, Natural Born Killers was a big movie. That's the main thing I remember. Here's a question. Okay. So, uh, this whole bat thing happens, which leads uh, Matt through some bad advice from Tom to go try and get a signed boot for the whole thing. Uh Um, You're wondering if maybe Tom shouldn't exist? I agree. 
Oh, no, that's that's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. I was wondering, since Matt is based on Aaron Sorkin and Herod is based on his ex-wife, uh-huh. is this a real story? <laughs> that, like, how specific this is? Like, remember, right, John, remember like, the teddy bear in Babylon 5? Yeah. Where he's like, oh, the guy gave me a cute bear, so I decided to make him a main character, like, shoot it out of the airlock because I hate cute things. Instead, Aaron's like, I... I d- <laughs> My my girl, my old, my ex girlfriend or whatever, didn't want to be tried to be professional, and I still had a big crush on her. Find her good impressions. (sighs) The best thing about the burlesque, I'm going to move right along. The best thing about the burlesque dance club scene, by the way, is not that it's like a weird dance. So what? What's the? Is it just dancers at a club? I guess. Okay. Uh, All right. I. Uh, Magellan, you're the you're the adult here. You're the one who knows sex. Help us yeah. out. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks so there's a lot. There's just a lot in this plot that's like really, really stupid and uh-huh. bad. And we've already said parts of it. Let's just okay. Here's the logic. Here, no. Here's the cold hard events that are happening. Okay. Okay. I, I'm gonna just name Back the characters. I'm gonna name the characters. Person A and person B. Okay. Oh, okay. And you tell me who the shithead is. Okay. Person A and person B are in a relationship. Okay. Got it. Um, They're both shitheads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good, it's a good place, to, <laughs> good place to start. Okay. Person, uh, person A gets really upset that person B is uh, really Christian and goes on a radio show for a bigot. Okay. okay. And then it's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. So that's how that is. Okay. Okay. Then person A has sex with someone who works with person B. Also, he's person B's boss. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Person A seems pretty shitty. Person A doesn't really apologize for the fact that he did that. Person B has to go and make amends with this woman who she works with. Uh, and continue to work with her, and presumably person A continues to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Okay? Person B goes on a date. <laughs> I see where this is. I can smell it. Go ahead. Per- person A finds out about the date. Yep. Person B did not mean for him to find out in the way that he did. Okay. It was a whole situation. Person A is pissed off. Okay. How dare she go on a date? <laughs> With someone else when we're not together anymore? Unacceptable. Right. Person A goes to what can only be described <laughs> as a world-renowned traveling strip carnival. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of right. I can only assume that's what's going on to get a revenge boot that says call me baby on the inside of it. Don't forget the comma. Call me comma baby on the inside. Yeah. That's from somebody who he's known before, like an ex or something. Ah, yes. Thank you. Right. So he goes to the traveling burlesque strip show circus carnival thing. Oh, are we allowed to object? Because you did skip the whole baseball bat sequence. I'm leaving leaving the bat out because it's, it's a stupidly written thing that I'm sure Aaron Sorkin <laughs> is twisting from the real events. I think I think that Aaron Sorkin really went to this burlesque show thing. 
I think that the bat thing he's making up because he had nothing. He had no leg to stand on whatsoever. <laughs> he needed to construct that. The best thing about that burlesque place is that he's going at Thursday at midnight or, or like Wednesday at midnight. <laughs> I know. And what he a also sad life. Oh my god, Sorkin can't resist. I think I said this off air, but like in this show, another thing that's baffling about comedians is like, yeah, comedians get into comedy because they want to like, you know, seem cool and popular and have people like them. But that also doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't, it's it not, doesn't they're not happen. successful usually. It doesn't happen where like, okay, uh, I did weekend update one night and now suddenly people are backstage like, hey, let me, I want to work on your fuck timing with you. Hey, hey, you got a, you got a ticket to the bone zone I could borrow? <laughs> yeah. How about you update, how about you get me on a desk now and give me the <laughs> weekend? <laughs> you know, that doesn't work. And then it also doesn't work when you go backstage to your ex-girlfriend's burlesque traveling strip show, Barnum and Bailey's Boobies, or whatever it's happening. It doesn't happen. Bombshell Babies. Yeah, thank you. It doesn't happen that a parade of like 10 half-naked women all say hey sexy hey gorgeous hey good looking hey funny guy hey, who i penis. also want to have sex with <laughs> <laughs> it's just farcical the only part of that that was good is when he asks for the boot and she's like okay and he's like you don't want to know why and she's like i don't fucking care i don't care <laughs> your plot is unrelevant to my life right now <laughs> That That's good. the most realistic side character reaction in this show. <laughs> yeah. like, Ugh, what do you want? You have an X issue on your show that you work with? Oh, shut up. Take the boot. Just leave, please. <laughs> and then he realizes that the boot is stupid and he goes back to the guy who suggested it, who is, I believe, one of the actors on the show. Oh, he's one yeah. of the big three. Yeah. So imagine one of the like main actors on your show being like, hey, Lauren Michaels, <laughs> <laughs> you want to get back with your girlfriend. You need to like go get a stripper's boot. And give it to her, and then she'll get super jealous. And that's how I got with my girl. And when he comes back, he's like, dude, that was such a stupid idea. And the guy's like, yeah, but it worked for me. And he's like, you're a sad man. Your girlfriend <laughs> yeah. left you because you can't stop working. What? I don't, really, I don't get that. Anyways, it <laughs> just slips right past him. It's so, so, Once so, again, so I wish, stupid. I wish anybody on the show would acknowledge that this, sh- like, and address the fact that this show is devouring their lives. And that the reason it sucks is because of them, not because of the show or the audience or the network. It's because you guys Mm. suck to each other. That's why I messaged you guys saying, like, the show sometimes seems to understand that, but it doesn't do anything about the fact that everyone knows that Matt sucks. They Mm. talk about, like, oh, all these writers, like, uh, when Benny and Lenny or whatever their names are, Rack Shack and Amendigo come up to (laughs) Ricky and Ron. Ricky and Ron are like, Matt, like the intern took a joke that he heard somewhere because he he wanted to get a joke on air and because he's afraid of you. That's the reason this happened is because you suck and you're mean to your employees. And he's like, wait, really? <laughs> and they just don't care. The show doesn't give a shit. They just say that. Hmm. I, I mean, you I can only hope. I bad for Hal for a second. You can only hope that the next episode starts to like deal with that, I guess. My love, we're on episode four. <laughs> I am. Of like twenty, <laughs> yeah. I I just ain't with you here. Okay, all right, six. I can't I can't follow down the road of like my boss has high standards, therefore I plagiarize. Like, no, 
like the part at the end where they're like, no, we're not giving him up. We're going to protect him. And he's like, okay, well, you earned my respect. No, you fire plagiarists. Plagiarists do not get jobs. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's a pretty easy. That's a pretty easy one. Like, I don't care what your reasoning is. Plagiarists, like, people don't plagiarize once and then they don't do it again. It's a thing that people, like, it indicates that the person is going to do it again. This, there are examples of this everywhere. Yeah. Including the current Democratic frontrunner. Whoa. Oh, oh yeah. Did you not okay. know that? Okay. Oh, yeah, you can find lots of evidence that he's plagiarized a whole ton of his speeches. Um... Oh. I mean, just nobody cares because, you know, he's defending big business. But let's not get political on here. Um, let's get political. <laughs> but, like, no, you have to have zero tolerance with plagiarism. I don't give a shit if it's because he was scared. Guess what? Matt's a piece of garbage. He's going to get scared again. Right. Right. It doesn't, again, it doesn't make sense. Like, what it should be is Matt realizing, like, ooh, I suck and I need to work on myself or this is going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Like we gotta fire right. this guy. We don't have a choice. But like, you could have like a moment where he like he goes to him. And he's like, "Listen, we're gonna give you you know your benefits and stuff. You're fired, but like we'll let you go quietly because this is partially my fault. But obviously, you can't work here anymore." Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. There is no ref- self reflection from Matt right about about this. And really, what what it is is the only it kind of feels like the only 90 seconds that he let anybody else have any control over are the 90 seconds that were plagiarized. And that it's like, that just seems to reinforce this idea that if Matt Albee is just the philosopher King of studio 60, then everything will go according to plan. So we have diverted from Matt Albee's light. (laughs) Never have we straight further. Yeah. And so what's what, this episode really teaches is not like, hey, you got to trust your team, but like, hey, you let go of your your uh, dictatorial stranglehold on the writing process and look what happened uh, something bad. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like it's it would be one thing if, if we hadn't had the show we'd had up until now. But the opening of this episode where it's like it's in the writer's room and it's like there are. 20 writers in there and they're like we've got 90 seconds to fill and we just can't do it we're just not good enough it's like this sucks why are you working so hard to glorify matt we talked yeah and we talked about it a bajillion and yeah also they're all white guys again there's actually there's a couple white women in there so like okay Mm -hmm. I, i did pay attention to that but still we keep talking about this but like all of this seriousness and the stress about like plagiarism and the joke is not good <laughs> the joke is yeah. that like my every child is being diagnosed with something else like adhd yeah. and add and autism and all this stuff my kid's stupid what if i diagnosed my kid with stupid hey that's hey. the joke that Y'all, you plagiarize i know we i know we're stumped i know we need like a real winner check it out ableism <laughs> it just throws down a big and block then just of- money starts raining from the skies. I put sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, We're all gonna be rich. So stupid. Like that. That joke would get laughed out of the room. That's a horrible joke. It's. I think. I think that's offensive in 2006. I think it's so. It's offensive, and it's also so hack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even like, if it's not offensive, even if you're like, okay, it's a different time. Like whatever the the bear the line for jokes is different. Like it's not. It isn't funny. But no, check it out. What if instead of bombs we dropped hot pockets? 
Like, did we do jokes about America being fat back in the day? Maybe this makes me realize that comedy was bad for a while and comedy got evolved a lot. <laughs> there was a Maybe. dark period. Yeah. I mean, that I, that's true to a certain extent, right? Like, comedy just fundamentally doesn't uh, age, age well. But Especially, like, sketch comedy that's, like, trying to be timely, I guess. Um, yeah. But also, this is just bad. Yes. Like, Aaron Sorkin's not a comedy writer, so he doesn't get how comedy works. Mm-hmm. And so when he tries to write comedy, it sounds like hack comedy because he doesn't do this sort of writing. Right. Mark Goffman, though, that guy's funny. No, that guy's a that, – he's a real – he probably only wrote that 90 seconds. You know? I bet you're <laughs> and right. they just have to give him the writing credit on the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the writing room stuff. And like you said, like we need 90 seconds and this team of like the best, like the theoretically the best writers in in sketch comedy. And they're like, I don't know. I got nothing. All right. I guess we have nothing. I guess we're just, we have to tip it over to an intern. Like you want to say, joke. you want to say that they're bad, like, okay. But like they ran the show for years. Right. right. And they don't suddenly get big, the big stupid because now Matt Albee's here. No, it's not the big stupid. They got they 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 got some kind of you know learning disorder. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like it would have been a much better plot if if Ricky and Ron were like, "Hey, Danny, Matt won't look at a single thing that we write." Yeah, it's it's shitty, and then Danny's like, "Okay, well, oh my gosh, I'm doing a great Bradley Woodford." Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, you slipped into that. Like a um, and then he like takes a look at stuff and he's like, oh, this is actually pretty funny. And then he like talks to Matt. He's like, Matt, Ricky and Ron, you know, they're writing great. Okay, I lost it. But yeah. it, I think it would just work way, way better if it's about Matt having to set aside his pride and be like, hey, I write sketches good and others do as well. So... Yeah. Yeah. I need to give some space. But instead, it's like, okay, I gave you guys 90 seconds. And they go to the room and they're like, okay, we have to write nine. Does anybody have 90 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Can anybody be funny for like a minute and a half, please? Anyone? No, nothing? Okay. Like all of these people have been sidelined for weeks and weeks. And these are people who like the gig is that you write sketches from – when you wake up until you collapse at four in the morning. Yeah, so they, that's your life. every person in that room should have like a packet of shit that they've written while Matt Albee has been like, no, no, not even going to look at it. <laughs> and instead we get this one guy being like, well, I just thought of something actually. And, and this episode just stacks on poop onto poop with this plot line. This is why I was like so fascinated by it was that it just keeps building on itself um by the way like i was saying earlier the martha odell stuff goes nowhere it goes nowhere interesting she isn't used in any interesting way past the booby joke i think we're gonna see more of her i think you do? I, I don't I, I like i don't know that i, I it just God, seems I like that. it seems like they're establishing her and that's gonna come up later where it's gonna be like oh i thought she was our friend but she wrote an article about how yeah, i definitely. can't stop doing drugs definitely, or how i'm definitely. shitty to my writers or whatever yeah, babylon 5 has ruined uh, my like imp- impression of every like press comes onto the thing episode because they do it multiple times and they mostly do it really well because they don't hate the press entirely they understand that there's like value in in like being exposed to the public in that way but 
um, I yeah, I, I hope she comes back because she really doesn't do anything in this one. But what gets the back end of the episode is they realize that this joke was supposedly plagiarized by a comedian uh, a couple years ago named Lenny Gold. Uh, and they pull up and then this is the part where Marta is like I was surfing the web and I found this and it's this guy at at some place called the laugh factory anyways here's his here's his whole like bit and he basically verbatim does the whole like child diagnosed with stupid thing Mm -hmm. everyone freaks out there's a lot of scenes of interns being like Matt Albee can you please be a person and talk to your coworkers?" and he's like no I'm yelling at someone else (laughs) fuck and uh, they finally go, and he, w- while running there, he runs into Harriet kissing the baseball man. And, of course, there's a comical suit of armor that he falls over because uh, fucking, of course. And their tentative plan before he gets there is to just give everything up to the comedian, plan an apology, cut the, cut the sketch on reruns, and just save face. And, like, they're they just like, all right, just cut it. Like, get rid of it and then say sorry in advance. Uh, Matt instead suggests that they have him come on to do the joke, which would never happen in real life. <laughs> Can you even fathom that episode of SNL where they're like, oh, we realized we plagiarized a joke, so we brought the guy on to do the bit? Is that That's kind of cute. I don't it's think a, they it's, would. It's, it's, it's a yeah. cute idea, but yeah, I don't think there's anything realistic about it. Yeah. That, it makes me wonder what like safeguards are in place at a place like SNL to stop. Or like they must have a procedure, you know. For plagiarism, they have to by now. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's yeah. Uh, Google. <laughs> you plug these jokes into Google. Yeah, they have their writers send it to turnitin.com. <laughs> Get it back. <laughs> <laughs> There's the other specifically like sketch comedy Turnitin. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm just there's so much garbage nonsense here. They 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 think they can do that. Everyone's trying to call Lenny Gold, and we're we're doing right before all this happens. Where we watch a sketch where. Uh, Harriet as Juliet Lewis is doing Meet the Press interviewing Donald Rumsfeld and Hillary Rodham Clinton which whoo, 2006 oh baby <laughs> um, Harriet and Simon are about to do the weekend update and they like have a moment of solidarity a solidarity where she's like if we this was in my hometown then they would have had a whole speech about honesty and like and being good to and true to God and he's like they would have done the same thing in my town Except they would have fought each other because <laughs> he said he said there would have been a drive by. He's like, you know, with pulled out my nine. Do you get it? I'm black, and I'm like, <laughs> yikes, 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 yikes. Uh, you're ma- you're making me flash back to the other just horrible black stereotype stuff that's happening. Like in the previous episode, part of the montage of sketches was him being like, "It's pimp my trike." Yeah. Oh, so oh, God. <laughs> oh man. And then when they bring in the the audience for the reshoot of the yeah oh my god that's, that's, like, that's, oh, just, boy, that's these... just la baby that's all it is it's all just <laughs> like these it's... are the people we're bringing in and then you see the monitor is like look it's the black guys walking in and then everyone's like everyone's got an arrest warrant out on them oh does that do rag mean that they're crips no it means they're bloods duh <laughs> red. i have seen at least some of every aaron sorkin show he is so much more racist in these two episodes. <laughs> Level 100 racism. Yeah, it's it's off the chart. Yeah. Well, it's the funny thing about the composition of that audience is it's like a couple of like uh, army people. Yeah, and, they look like Marines, maybe. 
sure i think they were just probably lounging around getting a burger and then there's like yeah a bunch of like presumably sex workers and then a bunch of gang members and they have like their feet up and they're like cut the camera away from her there's nothing under her top oh no (laughs) stupidest (laughs) shittiest shit um and they have them on to do to be the live audience for the reshooting of this weekend update thing where they apologize to Lenny gold and say like hey we're really sorry right the second after it airs they're like wait Actually, it was another guy eight years ago. We have to apologize to him instead. Simon, mm-hmm. do the whole bit again. Just putting all of the weight of this stressful situation on Simon, by the way, which mm-hmm. he acknowledges by the end where he's like, please stop. I just wanted to go home. <laughs> and he's like, sorry, it was actually this other guy, blah, 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 Barfo, Barfo, whatever his name is from eight years ago. We're really sorry. Please don't stop watching our show. Keep our viewer numbers. My job is in trouble. And then... <laughs> the episode's about to end and they're like actually we're we are basically snl we're a like institution and so that guy wrote for us <laughs> eight years ago he wrote that joke for us we got the copyright i've never watched a people on a tv show be so happy about having copyright that's <laughs> truly bonkers to me it is the most toothless ending i can imagine 100 percent. oh it sucks so bad it's for the sake of the gag, you know? It's a comedy. I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was a, a nice third beat. I think it would be a nice third beat if then there was still follow through, but yeah, there I isn't. Wanted to see, I wanted to see them do that that uh, part of the show, but they didn't do it. They're well, and it's also, it's also still like, oh, and Matt is still like, well, I guess I forgive the writer's room for committing crimes. <laughs> like, no, yeah, right. <laughs> wrong. Right. He learns a wrong lesson from this, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just so funny to me that the real joke is like, we are such a big institution that we have the best, we had and have had the best writers that they wrote for us before. We're fine. <laughs> We're rich and great. It's good. Yeah. Let's all go get beers. <laughs> Miller. Uh, oh, High Life, please. <laughs> yeah, please, please. <laughs> Ugh, I've had a Miller High Life before. No, thank you. It's worse. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a low life, so I can't. Yeah, you can't. You also don't drink. Okay, come on. No, you're not. Come on. Hey, I take pride in it. Fuck you. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. Go off. Don't take this away from me. (laughs) Go off. Um. Can we can we bury these episodes in the ground and and like in the beach, like how Matt punches Danny? And here's the thing. Yeah. What's up? There's more episodes of this show. There's so many more. Heck yeah, it's, I'm just gonna keep going. Oh, it might. It, they can metal. only. And like uh, they say at the end of the third episode, when they do really well in the rating, someone's like, "Well, you know how this goes according to like act structure." And they don't say what that means. What they mean is like it's only gonna get worse from here. And they it honestly is like the show is. Yes. The show is talking about itself. It's a slope, <laughs> and the way slopes go is they don't suddenly curve back up. <laughs> this is, next yeah. week is gonna we're gonna be more miserable <laughs> i'm excited for it <laughs> 17 uh. episodes to go six 17 uh, uh, i will i will say there was some uh, let's just let's just you know there was some sorkin dialogue that was fun Hit like with when it. Uh, ricky and ron i think in the first one maybe are talking to danny and they're like okay let's cut to the chase and he's like sure if it were up to me i would also cut, cut the, chase. the chase that's a good line <laughs> yeah i liked it it's still it's still fun to watch Bradley Whitford work, you know. He's mm-hmm. very good. He's very he good. I you know. I, I think the actor playing Ricky is doing a good job. Yeah, I think he's fine. He's, he's very like, believable. 
he he has this like air of like like he's he's he is a clearly a professional comedian but he's also always angry in a way that really works yeah. Yeah. like like do you just want us to retire you know i would love that think that's gonna happen not a big chance no it's no. just like yeah okay i buy it i totally buy this person being like i'm miserable here but you're more miserable so i will spite keep this job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't leave what a re- what a reason to keep a job right yeah. Um, also, yeah, when, I, I when Danny like holds, who's that? Ron? I don't know which one's which. I don't know which one's which. When he like puts one of them against the wall. It's yeah, like, that's what Ron. The hell? Yep. No. How dare one of your people plagiarize? I'm going to commit assault. That will fix this. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's uh, you know. I think it's just another like Aaron Sorkin like not knowing like thinking back on interactions he's had and being like, how do I make this? connect with a normal i know violence it's like yeah. <laughs> aaron please aaron put the cuffs on aaron you can't yeah. do this well do we want to know what we're watching next time i super do all right uh next time on sunset chats for short studio 60 on the sunset chats for long we're watching uh, episodes five and six of the one and only season of studio 60 on the sunset strip first is episode five the long lead story while the cast goes through rehearsals with Lauren Graham, uh, parentheses, she's playing herself from such things as Gilmore Girls and Bad Santa. Oh, that Lauren Graham. Oh, cool. And musician Sting, parentheses oh, himself. <laughs> oh, God. A reporter named Martha Odell oh. tries to get the story on Matt and Harriet. Oh, sure. No. Uh, no, I want to see Sting. That's actually the thing I'm excited. It's like when you watch SNL just for the guest. I want to see Sting. Yeah, right? It Wasn't it a bummer when Rob Reiner was like, and now Gwen Stefani? And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And they cut away and they keep doing their stupid sketches. I knew they weren't going to show it, but I wanted them to show it. Yeah, it would have been cool to just do a full Gwen Stefani song. Yeah, why not? It would take take three minutes out of the... (laughs) You guys got three minutes of good material? Yeah, Gwen Stefani performing? Sure. Uh, okay, so... Oh, boy. Here's episode six. This is going to be a trip. Oh, no. The rap party. A drunken Jordan makes friends with the... (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. It it gets worse with every sentence. All right. Uh, A drunken Jordan makes friends with the cast during an after-show party. First sentence. Second sentence. Danny tries to get Matt's mind off Harriet with the help of three sexy women. No! <laughs> oh, no. It's gonna, is it going to keep getting worse? Third, third sentence. This is debatable, but I think Sorkin will not handle it well. Third sentence. Simon makes a plea to hire more black writers. Whoa! Oh, what I'm really... are you saying? What are they saying? You know, like again, that that would like in the abstract. You're like, that's fine, and then you're like, this is in gonna the be right seen. hands. That's the right plot, but it's gonna be Matt explaining why he's obviously wrong, and it is it's gonna so kill me. It's gonna be yeah. Tough. He's gonna say, listen, good comedy is good comedy. I don't I don't care about race. It's talent is talent, baby. If they were talented, yeah, I would hire do them. the whole colorblind thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's persevere, folks. We got this. We're going to keep moving on and we're going to keep smiling all the way through it. We sure if are. I <laughs> die before the next episode, um, I can't promise it wasn't because of, of fear. Of, of fear. Of what was to come. Talk about it. <laughs> oh, God. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled.
Um, and thank you to the two of you. Uh, do you all want to do a little plug zone plug plug zone? Before yeah, I do before it. I do, before I do, I do Please. just want to say, um, I listened to uh, Chat's Room. I listened Ooh, to that season. Yep. I was a devoted listener. I oh, even I even sent in a few emails. Yes. Um, and at the time, y'all were talking about like how you were like this was good content, but like it was kind of miserable for y'all. And I was like, "Don't be ridiculous." I feel it now. <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> Whenever people are like, "You should watch more bad shows," I like watching you suffer, and you get it. You finally. <laughs> it's different than when I watch bad shows for my podcast. There's something about y'all's approach where you just have to wallow in it. Yeah, we gotta sift through it. We gotta sift through the. <laughs> I watch three episodes of a bad show and then I'm done. Here, I watch right, two episodes leave. of a bad show, and I'm like, well, I guess I've only got four more months of this. Yeah, we, ha- we have to approach every episode from the place of like, but this week it could be good, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and have just our an optimistic hearts, approach, for sure. Have our hearts broken each time. I can do yeah. that. Uh, and I can also tell you, the listener, that if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can do so by emailing chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at ChatsPod, and we have, you know, when we put these episodes up eventually, we'll be able to respond and ask and answer questions on that. Uh, Make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, if that's still around. (laughs) 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 Tell us if our podcast is good, and also consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash ChatsPod, where we have all sorts of fun and delicious bonus content for Mm -hmm. you, the listener, in addition to this spicy show. Yeah. Uh, supporting at $3 a month gets you access to everything that we have over there. Uh, again, we don't know when we're putting this out, so, uh, I can't (laughs) tell you what is up there right now, but at the, in the middle of every month, we hold a a poll and you can vote on what you'd like to see. And then that way you'll know in the coming month, okay, I'm going to get this, this, and this. And then of course, uh, that also gives you access to all of the episodes that are up there already from... I think at this point we've done what at least uh, two years of bonus content. Is that right? About approaching, like at least approaching two years. Oh yeah, but yeah, whenever this releases, certainly something like that. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Uh, and. Lastly, we all here at uh, the Chat Studios do chat some. So instead of doing our regular plug segment for ourselves, uh, we recommend things to people, and we call it chat some. So Magellan, what is your chat some for this week? My chatsum for this week. So, uh, listen, we are in in the beginning days, beginning weeks, rather, um, of self-isolation due to COVID-19 when we're recording this. And uh, I've been having to figure out what to do to <laughs> pass the time. And let me tell you, I've got actually two chatsums right now, okay? Ooh. And I experienced them both at, at approximately the same time in the same evening. Uh, the first is take a bag of popcorn, pop it up, and then just drizzle some honey in there, okay? And huh. try it. See what it's like. Uh, yeah, I'm that not going to say that it's, it's great, but it is new. And then the other thing is uh, just head over to Hulu and start Shark Tank from episode one and just let it play constantly on your TV. Uh, and it's actually a really good time. You actually so like it? Shark Tank. Shark Tank is great. Okay. Six, I what about it. you? What's your chats and okay. Um, So I'll, I guess I'll do two because one of mine will be very quick as well. Okay. Um, first off, uh, 
you might or may not be able to find in your local store uh, Dr. Pepper and a cream soda, which is a new flavor of Dr. Pepper, which is basically just tastes like cream soda, but the aftertaste is Dr. Pepper. Oh, yummy. It's, it's good. I like it. It's called um, and cream soda? Dr. Pepper and cream soda. It's just the Dr. Pepper logo, and then the bottom half it says and cream soda, and then it turns like oh, to sure. like beigey white, like okay. cream. Um, and then the other one is uh I'm sure i do it everywhere else you should probably watch common writer zero one common it's a it's a it's a tokusatsu show which if you know if you were aware of power rangers were you aware that all the action scenes from power rangers were just ripped off from japanese shows and then they filmed stuff in between this is the kind of stuff they ripped off from so imagine if that was i'm not going to say better because i don't want to insult power ranger fans but imagine if it was more considered oh and actually like kind of more more like slightly more adult also Mm -hmm. and and better but (laughs) (laughs) um thank you what about you alan yeah lastly my chat sums this is for this week just i have been falling behind on uh rap music and like albums in general listening to music this year beyond just the usual k-pop stuff i listen to because i'm that person and uh, this last week, I've been getting into, I've been catching up on all the rap albums that I uh, had forgotten about that came out this year. So just a couple shout outs. Um, Riz Ahmed, actor, rapper, um, a cool dude in general, uh, put out an album recently called The Long Goodbye, which I'm not going to give a wholehearted like 10 out of 10 recommendation because it's super corny. Like we're talking, it is centered around him talking about his like breakup with a girl and the girl is the country of England. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And he, but he commits to that and like has skits about that. And then like, it, he's very, like very into it. And the beats on that album are really good. Um, I discovered a new artist also this week called YBN Corday, who I think the young folks are pretty into. Um, he has an album called the lost boy. That's just a lot of fun. And I listened to that weekend album. I, I, I will say that one. It's, it, it's fine. I have a really complicated relationship with The Weeknd because I used to be obsessed with him and now I'm exhausted every time he puts out an album. But his album After Hours is fine. And then finally, uh, Purple Moonlight Pages by the artist currently known as R.A.P. Ferreira, formerly known as Milo. I think he changed his name for obvious reasons. Um, Purple, Purple Moonlight Pages is super duper chill rap, good beats, good t- uh, lyrics, very unique talent uh so just yeah get into get into some rap music it's all this is a good time to be into that and that dear listener is going to do it for this episode of studio 60 on the sunset chats we didn't come up with an outro last time we didn't no the whole thing was that we were going to spend the ending trying to come up with an outro because you're a trash monster and you you punish uh, me like this. Okay. Well, yeah, we can just keep doing that. I'm Restart trying to start the clock. Restart oh God. The clock. Okay. Um. Yeah. That's keep... good. I stole it from last time. We oh, I'm. Last we're time. starting the clock. Is then you're saying your starting clock is the outro? Yeah. Restart the clock. Restart the clock. <laughs> it sounds like a common writer thing. Restart the clock. Shot clock. Wait, let me hit. Let me hit my uh, Shark Tank button here real quick. Shark Tank. Whoa, that sounds like Shark Tank. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> it has so many long clips. 
Jesus Christ. Alan, will you, will you tack on my original lead into this half at the end here so people can hear it? Do you want Which me was... to do the, do you want me to do the finisher? Yeah, yeah do, do the, the finisher. finisher. Oh, I like that. I'm a fan of that. It, it always goes longer than you think it's okay. Beautiful. It really does. It really does. Goodbye, everyone. Night. To reset the clock. Welcome back to Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats. I'm your host. <laughs> Ronan Mars. <laughs> I, I wish you could see what I did. When I said the title, I grabbed... Everybody try this at home. Okay. <laughs> take your Take your right leg and cross it over your left leg so that it's a 90 degree angle. Okay. okay? So, yeah. Okay. So like a lap, you've created yep. a sort of mm-hmm. lap for yourself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, now drape your right arm across your right leg. Okay. So that you're sort of turning your upper body a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now clasp your right wrist with your left hand. Okay. Got it. And, okay, and now just slowly lean forward and put more weight on your right elbow. Ow, ow. <laughs> As you say, Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats. <laughs> Just getting into more and paint, more and more paint. <laughs> That's what I did. You pretzel uh, yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. This is. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Sorry. There's a big cockroach right here. Holy eat it. crap. Wait, eat it. Wow. Um, did, you, it. did you get one to Blathers already? Give it to you. Oh, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Fuck, you got it out Wait, hold on. I got to take care of this. Go do it. I think he caught it. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I think he got it. Ah, <laughs> oh, he got bit. Shit. <laughs> Damn. Did that work out? Okay, he got away. I'm going to have to kill him as soon as I see him. Damn. Okay, well, anyway, um, you can make that work somehow. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll just start over. Ah, uh, no, Magellan, you don't have to start over because the episode is all done now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Studio 60 on the Sunset Chats, episode two. We hope you liked that cold intro as well as the whole episode. Um, we haven't done it, or a cold outro, rather. We haven't done a cold outro in quite a while. Um, and I thought this one was funny enough to keep in. Uh, did you guys catch that hilarious and timely Animal Crossing New Horizons reference? Do you remember March 2020 when we were all back when we were all cooped up inside playing Animal Crossing. That's hilarious for a lot of reasons. One, I've just been getting back into Animal Crossing this year because uh, a friend of mine just got a Switch, and that game is still good. Just, But it definitely came out at the right time and place uh, for us to all get very obsessed with it back in last March. Uh, in terms of other announcements, I'm going to be reiterating some stuff you probably heard last week um, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod. Uh, we still have all of our January content out and looking great. Um, by the time this episode comes out, you will have the commentary chats episode for Tron Legacy, which we watched with uh, some listeners on our chats discord. Both of those things are uh, things you can find over at patreon.com slash chatspod. The link to the discord is there. Uh, on our discord, we have fun conversations with friends. We're talking about the old podcasts. We're talking about new ones. And it's a great time, to be honest with you. Um, and on the Patreon, there's also those bedtime readings that we did uh, on the 16th. 
Uh, we are having people help us uh, work out the kinks of the chats website, which will be launching for the public very soon. Um, Pilot Chats 31, Vanity Fair, and the Good Lord Bird was a lot was a great episode. And uh, spoiler alert: at least one of those shows is going to get covered on chats in the future. Um, we also have our community subreddit. I forget if I mentioned that in the plug zone, but it's reddit.com/r/chatspod. And Nick and Pat, the brothers at Infinite War, fans of the podcast, regular contributors are uh, doing uh, a rewatch, a re-listen through of chats on their two episodes into Freaks Chats there. Uh, and I'm actually, Alan, I'm uh, doing, I'm leaving some comments there every week. I'm trying to, because Freaks Chats is really fun and it's a, an interesting kind of touch point for our podcast. Um, we also have our Medium page, with Magell- which Magellan incorrectly plugged last week. It is medium.com slash at chatspod. He forgot the at because that doesn't, we don't we didn't put the at there it's just how medium does their websites but regardless um that's basically what i got uh but before i forget i would also like to make a a brief comment about the passing of uh mira furlan uh, who played delen on babylon 5 which we watched uh, back on chat salon 5 on january 20th 2021 mira uh, passed away unfortunately at the age of 65 uh, tragically, um, and we discussed this many times in watching Babylon 5, but, you know, watching a show full of adults, while it is great and all the acting is great, means that um, people get old and people will pass away from, from various things. Um, as I understand it, she passed from complications due to West Nile virus, which um, is really unfortunate. Um, but we loved her. I think Delenn is truly one of the great TV characters, especially in science fiction and otherwise, um, and she will be missed dearly, uh, her contributions to the television industry in general, and her philanthropy work, um, her and her husband. Um, but I just wanted to, to say some brief words about Mira Furlan's passing, because, like, again, just so tragic, and, it, and it's always a bummer watching characters you love in a show uh, and die in real life, but, you know, so it goes. Unfortunately, we, we continue to persist, folks. Um, But thank you, as always, for listening, uh, and take care.